Welcome back to the Leo Weekly Podcast. I'm Sid Bishop. We're here for 99 Bottles, a deep dive into one beer from one local brewery. This week, we're here with Sean Steele, the co-owner and brewer at False Idol Independent Brewers. Today, we're going to talk about the Sexton, their Rye Abiel, which you can get on tap through December. So for our listening audience, Mm -hmm. how would you describe the Sexton? Uh... So an Abbey Ale is a pretty traditional style, like European. Uh, we base this recipe around a double. So that, you know, as Abbey Ales is doubles, triples, quads. Yeah. And as it goes up, your alcohol content goes up. So a double, you get some of the, those dark fruit flavors, um, a little bit boozy without going quite as heavy as like a quad, for example. So dark fruit, like kind of plum and spice and a little bit of uh just straight alcohol kind of heat there and what informs those flavors i've always wondered that because i've i've had other belgians and you can kind of get those those Um, vibes from it it's kind of surprising actually because you know um especially with a quad you really get like kind of rum and dark fruit like raisin skin kind of fruit uh sweetness and there's no fruit in it um there's actually there's very little as far as hops go too, which would normally give like fruitiness. Yeah. Um, it's, there's malts that toasted to a certain degree. It's like, uh, like burnt sugar, you know, you can do it lightly. And then there's like uh, light caramel toffee. And then the further you go, you can get into like molasses territory. Right. Yeah. And so these malts are toasted to a degree where you're getting into that burnt sugar territory that starts to bring out some of that uh sweetness and then there's also belgian candy sugar in it which is really important so that has kind of like it's like a really mild brown sugar kind of flavor like palm sugar yeah Uh, so you're never getting into just like syrup molasses sorghum kind of stuff yeah um just enough of it to kind of give it some depth without a heavy body or a lot of extra sugar yeah you know? it, it because uh i mean in general and 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 also with the sexton there's like a kind of a it's a it's an i cannot pinpoint the spice but there's some kind of a spice like almost nutmeg almost cinnamon yeah. but not really any of those things right. kind of vibe to it like so just yeah a, and it, it took me a long time with um this type of beer to kind of articulate that because for years i would actually take a notebook with me when i would go have a beer just to kind of learn to kind of have a nose for it and a palate, like yeah, that's develop a, a vocabulary so that once you latched onto a flavor and it clicked in your head, oh, that's raisin, for example, you have that for good. It's not just, okay, now it's dark, it's dark fruit or it's stone fruit. You can say, okay, it's cherry or raisin or peach. Right. Or, and so the more time you spend with it, the more you get. Um, so, yeah. Does this compare to, so I I think one of the best ways to, especially when you're describing taste, uh, is to describe it to anything else that might be available anywhere right now? Um, So some classic um, Abbey Ales or like Trappist Ales are pretty similar too. They have that kind of quality. Okay. Um, Would you say like a Chimay or something like Uh, that? Yeah. Yep. And so this is a little bit kind of um, heavier than Chimay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. like Orval or um, there's Roquefort 10 is one of my favorite or like, you know, gotcha. six, eight and 10. It's like that. We've got a little bit more of that dark sugar, dark fruit flavor, I can uh, get, not I, quite as light a body. Um, so 
is this the uh, the first time that you've done anything like this, like yeah. an Abiel or yeah? Okay. So actually, um, the first iteration of this was a collaboration with Third Turn. Um, because both of us were talking about it. And anytime I do a collaboration, it's like, what kind of, what's your identity as a brewery and what's mine? And I tend to do, I use rye, wheat, and kettle souring are some of like my strengths, you know, having worked at a, uh, like learning to brew at Akasha with their Goza and the kettle souring they do. That's a strength of mine, uh, using some of these different grains. And, you know, third turn, um, at that point I had tried a lot of, uh, they have like a really nice porter that was there, some of the darker stuff. Yeah. What haven't we done a before? Double what can we Porter's learn great. together? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and so we just kind of, like, let's do this. Like if, if it's a collaboration, there's less risk. So you can do something you haven't done before and it's not perfect. Right. Well, then you're kind of splitting up the batch and you're not trying to figure out how you get rid of 50 kegs of it. Right. You know, um, you have a bit more room to play around. Um, so that gave us both a chance to learn, but then I think also collaborating and always liken it to writing music, like in a band or with someone else, yeah. is it kind of before you've even started to play anything or record anything, you're bouncing ideas off of people and it helps refine that idea just kind of inherently. Right. You know, I've, I've never felt like um, any other brewer was stepping on my toes or something. It's like, this is making this a better product. They see things a way that you don't. Right. And so I was really pleased with the first iteration of that recipe being something we liked so much and that the customers liked so much too. Like they wanted us to brew that again. And that was amazing. You know? Well, also as a creative endeavor too, I've, my experience has been that, uh, they will fail if there's competition. So my experience in town at least has been that all the brewers, tend to enjoy not having that competition right. so that they can compete, you know, or that they're not competing so that, you know, it's, it's the, a lot more collaborative and friendly. Uh, the phrase I like to use is like, you know, it's the rising tide raises all ships or boats or whatever. Mm-hmm. This but that's the way everyone views it yeah. is there's still so many people that have so much to learn about craft beer, like customers and drinkers, you know, that they don't think they like beer. And to me, that doesn't make any sense because there's so many different flavors. There's yeah. something out there for you to like. Even yeah. if you're typically a bourbon person, a wine person, a cocktails, like fruity cocktails or something, there's something in beer that you can like. You just haven't been exposed to it yet. Right. And so if we all make sure that everyone is kind of held to a standard, I brew my beer as best I can, I'm going to try and help you do the best you can to a degree. We're going to collaborate, experiment, keep moving the industry forward then yeah everybody wins and if you don't brew good beer you're kind of gonna die on the vine anyway yeah you know like there's no reason to kind there's, of try there's no and reason punish to be, each other exactly you don't have to be competitive about right. that the uh the market so to speak will, it works itself yeah, out it all it all come out in the wash yep uh I assume you've worked with rye before. I'm almost positive I've had stuff with rye there before. Yep, um, I love it. Is that? Can you tell me a little bit about rye as an ingredient? Um, so it's an adjunct grain, okay. which is a term you would use for corn, rice, pretty much anything. What does adjunct mean in that sense? Um, I always thought it was an additive that you not a, not like a chemical additive, it can but be like both. a thing that you added. At it's the end. that um, what it adds to the beer is um, like I used a lot of wheat as well. Yeah. And it doesn't have as much fermentable sugar. It doesn't add as much like fuel, we'll say, to the fermentation process. It's there for something like texture or um, 
clarity or color or gotcha. something. And so it's kind of like, um, uh, it, like I guess tangential is the is that the word? You yeah, know, no, like no, it's, the, yeah, it doesn't directly contribute to kind of the core of what beer is. It's kind of on adjunct the, makes sense in that context. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. It's um, just that normally when I hear adjunct, I'm like, oh, well, you put an orange in it at the end or right, something, right? right. And those it, that it is the that word does cover. Well, this is the things. same thing. It's just yep. in a much less hyperbolic. This is a much more sublime use of yes an adjunct. It's it does still contribute. Um, something essential to beer, right? It's just maybe not as much of it, um, or not as efficiently as we'll say just barley does. Is it the coloring agent in the beer? Um, so, like, so I've had a, a lot of Belgians that are comparable in color. They're all yep. dark, but not, you know, kind of walnut. So colored. the rye adds some color. Like when you look at it, it's like a light gray. It's kind of it's not actually very rye pretty color. Is? Yeah, um, wow. and. I know a mistake that I made early on was like associating rye with like caraway seeds, like rye okay. bread, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's actually like it on its own, it's really delicious. It's just kind of nutty and mild. Um, but in a beer, uh, it, people say it adds some spiciness to me. It adds a, for one thing, it dries out the finish. So like after you swallow, yeah. it's not quite as sugary, but and it's not I like a hop dryness, though. Exactly. It's not bitterness. It's yeah. just a, a more rough texture on the back of the tongue. And especially if you only use a certain amount of it, like keep it within a certain percentage, its flavor won't overwhelm the beer. Um, so if you use enough of it, I get almost like a, instead of spicy, it's almost like a medicinal kind of thing, the way that if you just chomp down on cinnamon bark it's it kind of overwhelms the tongue like yeah. almost in a numbing way yeah 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 uh, it, it, there's like a touch of that if you use a bit of rye and so i always like that you can brew a beer that has more body and kind of sweeter flavors and then the rye will kind of curb that on the finish so it's not just like drinking kool-aid that's what i was gonna say it's definitely the contrast to the because uh, i'd uh, written down the description you had of dark candy sugar and toasted bread i think right. the toasted bread is more the rye yeah, right. Um, yep. But it's kind of the nice counterbalance so that it doesn't get too cloying. Yeah, because yeah. that's that's actually what I tend to not like about like a quad, for example, like the right. you know, Double's Big Brother, um, is because those flavors are so sweet, plum and dark fruit, that when you've got that much sugar on the back end, now it's still boozy too, but the finish isn't dry. It almost turns into wine yeah, once it starts yeah. getting up and, into okay, uh, quad then territory. I don't, I don't want like a pint of it, you right. know, i uh, and I figure if we kind of dry out the finish, balance it a little bit, it's still familiar if you like Abbey Ales or you like Doubles. It hasn't fundamentally changed it. It's just tweaked one element of it to make it a bit more drinkable, you know. And what did you say the ABV is on uh, it? 7.4. And, I mean, that's heavy, but it's not, like, overwhelming right. heavy. Especially as we go into winter, a lot of the stouts uh, or darker beers in general tend to start at 8. Yep. Yep. So it's still like light enough that you can have a few without yeah. feeling like wildly out of character. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> only in the middle I mean. of December. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're like, oh, or, oh, and then as far as color goes, sorry. Um, that's actually from some of those darker toasted malts I was talking about that okay. give it, they, um, have a real, uh, uh, kind of, yeah, like maple syrup color to them. Yeah. And there's no, a little bit of dark roasted malt to also help kind of balance out that that finish too. Maple syrup's a good color to add. So I, I take my dad out with me sometimes when I write about beer and he works in a body shop Yeah, and I'm always like, what color is this? And he's like, brown. Brown. <laughs> Thank right. you. So well, it's like, yeah, it's really dark, but it's not opaque. It's not yeah. stout, you know? 
<clears throat> but there's a lot more colors under the rainbow than that. <laughs> How would you describe the nose on this? It's typically it's kind of um, like the yeast that you use, like a Belgian yeast, um, is a little bit spicy. Yeah. And you can smell you that it's like a get warmer, that, yeah. you know. Um, this one is fairly clean. Um, you can control how much a yeast expresses itself through temperature. And I tend to be trying to be pretty even handed with it. Like, okay. um, like let's, let's get our grain bill, right. Let's get this kind of locked in. And then that's one of the last things that I play with for a recipe is how much that shows, you know? Well, I think you'll appreciate this question then. This was part of what I had set up here. Um, as a brewer, do you intentionally try and compose uh, for the other senses? Like, I I've have so often found myself thinking, like, well, the most important part is the taste yeah. because you're drinking the beer. Right. Um, but, of course, you don't want something that's got, you know, tons of sediment necessarily. unless exactly. that's Unless that's the vibe issue. You know, you right. want to be able to control that in some way. Yep. So how, so you say it's, is it temperature? Is that, is temperature exclusive for your other senses? Is it, is it, uh, exclusive for like your, uh, how, it, how the, uh, uh, body looks? So is it the uh, smell? Is it everything? Uh, aroma big time to put it simply like with the yeast, the cooler you ferment, there's a range, the coldest, uh, end of that spectrum, the yeast expresses itself less. We're less talking temperature aroma. or like yeah. if you wear shades? Uh, temperature. Yeah. Right? I mean, I try to do my best in that You could do both, honestly. But, yeah. you know, it's, you work with what you got. So we're somewhere in the middle, I guess. Gotcha. <laughs> but then the warmer that it gets, the hotter it gets, again, temperature and that. Right. Uh, it expresses itself more. So like an IPA, more and more of that like um, uh, fruit stripe gum fruitiness. Esters is what it's called. Okay. And so cooler, less of that, cleaner, warmer, more of that, more aroma. And always gotcha. try and keep it kind of cooler or somewhere in the middle. And that's during the fermentation process? Yeah. And But then as far as kind of, like you said, uh, composing, I used to, I thought the exact same way. Like flavor is the king. The other stuff doesn't really matter so much. You know, like what does it matter if it's a little cloudy, if it tastes great? But then I've had conversations where it's, you know, a beer, there's a long history there. And so when people think about a Pilsner, you don't think about something foggy. Right. You think about something very clear. And that communicates something to you, and I think legitimately, about what, like, it's going to be crisp, it's going to be lighter, whereas something um, unfiltered, kind of more hazy, you're expecting a heavier mouthfeel, maybe, a smoother yeah, texture, you're, you're a creaminess right. or something. And so well, I thought it but was even just kind of... even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't, like, even if you had the world's cloudiest Pilsner, for example, right. and it was just delicious... You and I may may know that because we're maybe a little bit more adventurous. Yeah. But there are a lot of people that that's going to be a barrier for yeah. access to. They wouldn't touch uh, it. And the the appearance of the beer also shows your competence as a brewer. Yeah. Whether or not that's the most important thing is, right. you know, yeah. TBD, I guess. Indicative of some part of your process. Right. You know, there are good reasons that beers are clear or hazy or like a Northeast IPA. Right. Super cloudy, super hazy. Well, that's a result from some breweries of putting adjuncts they shouldn't, like right. a straight up flour, 
uh, <laughs> or using like flaked oats, flour, which is something yeah. I'm all about. But yeah. they tend to add a lot of haze to it. Sure. But that that translates to something in the texture. There's a reason for adding it other than just well, because it's supposed to be a hazy, quote-unquote, IPA. Right. Whatever that means, you know, whatever purpose that even It's serves. just a summer stout for me. It, right, yeah, yeah, right. So it should, something about the look um, and the aroma should communicate in some way, at least, what the experience is going to be like. And so to that point, it is worth being mindful of. That's know. awesome. So uh, I I could use a little education here. Is there a fundamental difference between an Abbey Ale and a Belgian, or is that just semantics? Uh, it's kind of like um, uh, bourbon being a whiskey, and but not all whiskey being a bourbon. That's kind of what I thought. It's like, like, the, like Bel- Belgian ales are specifically brewed in Belgium, but they're all Abbey. And ales. you know, uh, like Belgian style stuff, and then it's there's kind of umbrellas. Gotcha. And that's what that is. Okay. Yep. Um. Are there any ingredients that are particular to an Abbey style ale? Um, the kind of you sugar, touched on them, yeah. Uh, that's a big one um, because that it adds some flavor, but really it adds something that's purely fermentable. That's what makes this. Um, we did. It's not a super heavy body. Yeah, we didn't not. put a ton of grain in there. That sugar adds more fermentables, brings the alcohol content up, which thins it out, makes it kind of. Um, a lighter texture it does. without adding so much extra grain, so much potential extra flavor. It's not too rich. It's a good fall you know? beer, I think, yeah, too. Because it's not quite dark, but not quite light. Right. And you get a little roastiness, which I'm always like, you know, the leaves coming off the trees. like the, Yes, absolutely. The, it's like the porter. That's know, where like we that get into our other flavor. senses, too. It's, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, it fits. Is it hard to come by that stuff, like regionally or anything? And the the ingredients, I mean, for an Abbey Ale? Um, no, actually, thanks to kind of the craft beer boom and the home brewing boom, you can get just about anything you need quickly and easily. Well, um, and not just from like an Amazon source. Sure. You can get it from like real local people, pl- exactly. farmers. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's good. Yep. Um, so that actually kind of leads me to this question. Like what, uh, I I feel, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, I feel that Belgian beers in general are pretty, Belgian, Abbey style, whatever, are very uh, underrepresented in the market. And that's not just in Louisville, that's everywhere. Yep. Is there any particular reason? Is it harder to do them? Um, Is it, I think it's did just, it just uh, not sell as much? Well, I love Belgians. For, I agree. And, first, and I agree with you as far as thinking they're underrepresented. Um I think I get the only thing I can uh I guess my only hypothesis is that because we grow up with certain flavors and things that yeah it's not as these flavors aren't as common to us this beer style isn't as you know it's well if Bud Light is what beer is you know like Oh, this is um, light years away from that. Right. Yeah. But people, uh, and I know I grew up that way too. Like the way that that smelled and like Natty Light and all that is, but I didn't want anything to do with beer for a long time because I thought that's what beer was. And so I think then you introduce an Abbey Ale and people are like, but what is, what is that even? You know, what right. is a, a it's Belgian It's just the uncertainty whatever. of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, and it hasn't been as popular of a market as like IPAs, which have kind of expanded. Right. Yep. 
And, you know, I guess like even with uh, weirdly like IPAs I, or something, I guess there's, but there's still some flavor elements. Like you think like grapefruit is such a common descriptor for like an American, yeah. like uh, Ameri- like an APA or something. Yeah. And people know that flavor. Right. Whereas we say like, yeah, candy sugar and raisin and they're like, uh, uh, is that sounds a, like a fruitcake or something? Yeah, yeah exactly. That, Spice. Yeah. They're, yeah, it feels more seasonal. And I feel like in, that's an explanation too, is it gets kind of relegated I think we're really bad about that here stateside is that certain beers take Oktoberfests and um, like pumpkin beers. Yeah. It's like three weeks pumpkin beers are selling like crazy and then no one wants one at all. Yeah. Like, and uh, Oktoberfests or like Marzins, Marzins, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. It's a year round beer. It really like it's is. not too heavy. It's not too sweet. No, it's not it's roasty. Perfect. Like it's great. But everyone's like, right well, now. Oktoberfest, is it? Late September, mid October. No, then I'm not going to get it. Uh, Right, and so that I think that happens with this is that they see something dark, and everyone's like, "No, I want, I want a Mexican lager. I want, you know, um, if it's even something golden and light, windy outside at night in the summer, I want a stout." (laughs) Right, yeah, I'm always up for dark beers. You know, whatever you're eating, wherever you're at, but um, and I, I think there's some logic behind that that does make sense. I'm not like. You know, uh, we make a really good Mexican lager. I'm happy to do that. Sure. Uh, I just find it interesting that something like this, most people just aren't familiar with it, like, at all. But I have been really pleased with how well this is done at the brewery. People really like this beer. And so I think that that people Please are capable of, of learning. Yeah. You know, like, they'll try it. I just think a lot of... It's not the easy... Um, uh, uh, sell that like an IPA is to sure. your point. It's not guaranteed. You can do a decent IPA and people are going to get it because it's an IPA. You have to make sure that if you do something more unusual that you back it up. Right. And I think also as a brewery, we've done a good job of establishing uh, like we're uh, take mile wide. They do like their things, their IPAs, yes, you know, is. and um, for us they're I haven't really kind of focused in on, one of those styles in particular. And so I think I have a little bit more leeway and with a smaller system right? uh, to try something like this, put it in front of people and it not kind of disrupt my, my brewing schedule so much, all that, you know, that's the, that's the reason I have a smaller system is I'm a, I can be a little more nimble. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What's it named after? Uh, so the sexton is a, uh, groundskeeper of the church. Oh, okay. And so I always like to have, um, I always like to pull names like from, I like them to be fairly reverent in general. And I tend to pull from like religious iconography, like the Wheat Stout is Our Lady of Snows. And um, not from, uh, it's not like a tongue in cheek kind of thing. It's that I genuinely like that those are reverent, beautiful names. Like I think Our Lady of Snows is just a beautiful thing. And um, and it also kind of indicates the same kind of reverence for it that those names imply reverence for a religious figure. Um, but, you know, they're also like theory. That's the, it's um, the equation for time dilation. Oh, right. And huh? so there's yeah. just, you know, all kinds of, uh, you know. So they get, they can get a little nerdy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah. I like to kind of have something deep there. Like I really care about giving the beers um, like a personality. And I'm, I'll give uh, credit to uh, New Albanian um, yes. with, 
with uh, their art, you know, like take Hoptimus, for example. It's fun. You know, yeah. like it's, I, it just kind of makes you care about the beer that much more that. I think so too. You know, it's not just so, you know, it has personality. It has a meaning. It has a, a logic behind it that. Well, the characters you know, that they have it against the grain too. When they, yeah. when they explained that process to me, I was like, that's brilliant. Right. The, the marketing conceits behind everything. And I think, I think your, cool. your brain kind of wants to do that. You know, it's like, uh, again, like, let's go back to music, because I know we both have such a passion for that. Yeah. It Connecting to a song kind of starts to connect you to things that aren't that song. You know, uh, the cover art that's attached to it, uh, you start to kind of uh, oh, attribute yes. a lot of the, oh, yeah. the messages and we'll say like ethics or meanings in the songs to the artists themselves, which most of the time turns out maybe to be a bit of a disappointment sometimes as we've talked about too it can go both ways uh and i think you can do the same thing with a with a beer if there's kind of we'll say lore behind it um that's just kind of one more thing to connect to and i do put a lot of time in it like it's not just a gimmick for me like i I spend a lot of time thinking about what the beer represents to me why did i brew it in the first place and thus what should it name what should its name be well, and kind of uh, building on that, like I appreciate the fact that you are trying to um, include an experience as part of this. And I know that because of the direct relationship with Vigrets, I know you're a vegan. Vigrets is obviously a vegan restaurant. Mm-hmm. I believe all your beers are vegan. Yep. Does that play a factor in that experience for you? Is it ever uh, a challenge? Like, I don't know if there are certain recipes that are like, this has to have lactose or right. does it work? right. Um, it actually doesn't really get in the way much at all. Um, the, this has to have lactose in it. You know, the most obvious example being a milk stout. Yeah. Well, you can't really make a milk stout without that. Yeah. You can try Cause you know, it's not just that it's milk. It's that those sugars don't break down. They don't ferment. Right. So they stay there. I've seen lactose in a lot of stouts in the, cause it's a, it makes it creamier. Right. I think is the idea. But for me, there are other ways to do that. And thank Again, you. using temperatures and, um, like flaked oats and stuff that will give it yeah. body. Um, but, you know, it's not going to be quite as heavy as a milk stout. Uh, and then, you know, I won't do like a mead, you know, like a honey beer. That's a sure, gray that area for a lot yeah. of like vegetarians, vegans. I, at the moment with them kind of at risk, like honeybees in general, right. I'm like, I'm just going to leave them alone. Like, right. I'm going to, yeah. you know, or any efforts, anything surrounding them should be to their benefit and conservation. Well, honestly, I mean, we were talking about music though. It's like, I feel like the more limitations you have, the more ex- uh, opportunities you have to push against those limitations. And with beer, like it kind of at its core, it's a vegan product. Yeah. Um, okay. Unless you're, I don't know, unless you're like a Jane, uh, yeah. like where you're thinking, yeah, yeast is a, uh, you know, it's like, it's not sentient. It doesn't have a nervous right. and stuff, <laughs> but um, you know, it's, it's hops, water, yeast and, and grain. Right. So it actually doesn't um, kind of stymie my efforts too much. It does, to your point about like kind of uh, working within those constraints, it does make make me uh, very self-conscious about making sure that product is as good as it can be because whether the beer is really any different from a non-vegan quote-unquote beer, people will still judge it. Uh, more harshly because they're thinking this is a vegan beer or I'm at a vegan place, you know, they're expecting something to be missing. And so you have to make sure that you're 
really pleasing those people. I, I didn't even realize they were vegan beers. I mean, once I had and, them. And really, you shouldn't. Because like I said, I'm not really, that's I'm not, not doing not anything different. I'm yeah. just kind of, um, I, yeah, I'm not doing a milk stout. I'm not doing lactose-based beer. And that's about the extent of it. Most of the right. other breweries in town are doing vegan beers too, you know? Right. They're so, just not attached to a vegan restaurant. Exactly. Right. right. It's that's that uh, the big V word isn't attached to them. Right. And it is interesting how people's perceptions will change just knowing that that's the case. They won't approach your product the same way. Which is wild because I always expect the new Albanian to have pizza in their beer, but they don't. Oh, it's right. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So my last yeah, question exactly. for you is uh, what should we <laughs> expect next? Uh, we will have a Dunkel. That All we will right. be kegging a week that I'm Dunkles. super happy with. Um, and then, like, I'm going to be kind of caught up on some of my brewing. Nice. And we get to kind of experiment a little That's bit more. how I took it, yeah. Um, so, I know we did Night Blooming Sirius, which was the, uh, it was a kind of session sour with prickly pear and hibiscus. Um, and I remember we had the conversation about Proto Martyr, actually, because of oh, the name. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, but that did so well. We really want to do something in the future. That was a collaboration with the Brewgrass Homebrew Supply. And we want to do something where we take that and do like five of those, like different combinations of like uh, botanical ingredients, fruits, things like that. Yeah. And um, kind of do something like beginning of spring, you know, like a zero gravity event kind of thing. Like That's awesome. Because um, I love the idea of I always try to brew towards the lighter end of the spectrum as far as alcohol you do, content and I goes. I appreciate that. And so I'm like, if I can give you that much flavor and it's like 3%, why not? Like that's a legitimate beer. Well, it's kind of like the inverse to gravity head too. Exactly. That was my thought is like, yeah, let's kind of, let's counter that. Like I, I like that, but then it's like, let's explore the other side of that too. Right. Just good session beers mm-hmm. that you can enjoy without going too bonkers. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I really me, dude. appreciate it. I enjoyed uh, it. And I'm looking forward to that dunkle. Right. I uh, very I'm much with you. enjoyed this, Abby L. Thank yeah, you for thanks. bringing it today. I Absolutely, appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thank you.